Hello, and welcome to the Candy Gibbs Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about upcoming events, this podcast, and for other resources, visit candygibbs.com. All right, we're going to get started. We're going to talk this morning about the courts and going into the court and what those look like. What would that experience be like? Job 22 says, you will decide on a matter and it will be established for you. So we have talked about last night that the thing that qualifies us to be able to present ourselves before the court of the Lord, uh, because last night in Psalm 50, we learned that it is a very different experience for believers to come before the court of the Lord versus non-believers, right? So before we are qualified to present before the judge, we need to be a believer. So last night, we talked about what that means. When we accept Christ, what did he do for us on the cross? And when we receive that, we remind ourselves uh, when we take communion of what his body and what his blood mean to us. Then we learned that we enter the court through praise and thanksgiving. And we don't do that because God is some kind of egomaniac and he just likes to hear himself be praised, but because we need to remind ourselves who it is that sits in judgment over us. And it is a good God and it is a righteous judge and he is our father and he is for us. And he says to us, I don't need anything from you. My one desire for you is that you would learn to come to me and let me help. So that is who we are presenting ourselves before today as we examine what it would be like to enter his courts. So I want you, as we're thinking, we're going to talk about a courtroom. We're going to talk about different definitions and different people that uh, play a part in a court. But all through this morning, I want you to continue to ask the Lord, this weekend, what is my case? What situation or circumstance am I here to receive a verdict on? Because during our prayer labyrinth, I believe that the Lord is going to speak some things to you personally and individually um, as you present your case before the Lord. So I just want to give you some different definitions of different aspects of a courtroom. The first thing is the definition of a court itself. So I think I have a slide for that one, Spence. Courts are run by judges. Their role is to make sure that the law is followed and oversee what happens in the court. They decide whether to release offenders before the trial. They accept or reject plea arguments. They oversee trials and they sentence convicted offenders. And I'll tell you that when you start to read the scripture considering, which probably you guys did and I just didn't, all those scriptures that talk about courts, right? And then you start to read different scriptures that use other terminology that is fitting for a courtroom like testimony. We overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Bring your requests and petitions before the Lord. Another word that struck me, because when I was researching this and studying it to, to bring it to you, I was like, well, that's awesome, but like courts, that's not, there's not a whole lot. And 
And the Lord said, what about trials? Trials happen in a courtroom. How many scriptures do you read that talks about trials? Have you ever thought about that as being tried before a court? It just opens up and makes some of these scriptures mean something completely different. So scriptures that go along with court. Psalm 92.13, they are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. Psalm 96.8, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Psalm 135, praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord, O servants of God. Who stand in the house of the Lord in the courts of our God. Praise the Lord for the Lord is good. Then trial. A trial is a formal examination of evidence before a judge in order to decide guilt in the case of criminal or civil proceedings. It also means a test of the performance, qualities, or suitability of someone. It tests your endurance. In the Hebrew, the word for trial means a proving. So when you are faced with many trials, that is a formal examination of evidence before a judge. A proving of your sustainability, your suitability, and your performance. Scriptures that talk about trials. James 1, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. 1 Peter 1.6, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. James 1.12, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, having stood the test. That person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. 1 Peter 4.12, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So we've got courts all through Scripture. We've got trials all through Scripture. The next definition that I want to read you is the officer of the court. Any person who has an obligation to promote justice and effective operation of the system, including judges, attorneys, bailiffs, clerks, and other personnel. As officers of the court, lawyers have an absolute ethical duty to tell judges the truth, including avoiding dishonesty or evasion about reasons the attorney or client is not appearing as we consider today the courts and everyone that's playing these different roles, you could be the accused or the defendant. It could be a circumstance where you feel like you literally are on trial in some situation in your life. Maybe that is what we're going to present before the court of the Lord. You could be acting as an attorney and that would be when you bring situations before the Lord, before the judge, and you say, this is unjust and unfair. And that could be for the unborn. You guys realize that this is the um, 1973 to now. How many years is that? Since Roe v. Wade. 
this is the this is the weekend anniversary they just had the march for life so if i were advocating for the unborn and the unjustness of abortion maybe that i would be acting as an attorney that would be the case that i would be presenting before the Lord. So when situations happen to your friends or people that you know or on your campus or in your family and you take that before the Lord, you are acting as an officer of the court, as an attorney. Uh, legal counsel also serve notice. Notice is the legal concept describing a requirement that a party be aware of legal processes affecting their rights, obligations, or duties. So as an officer of the court of the Lord, you are responsible to tell other people what their rights are as a child of God. So when you come out of the courtroom, it is up to you. It is your legal obligation to serve notice to fellow believers about what their rights are and those things that the Lord has already paid for them to receive and walk in. Matthew 16, 19 says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Psalm 2, 7, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And you know, something else that the Lord has impressed on me as we've kind of started looking into all of this is you have heard people say in sermons or teachings or whatever, you just need to declare that, right? Make that decree. You need to declare that. And I would say that is very true, but it also depends what you're declaring, right? Because I can declare anything. I can declare that I weigh 30 pounds less than I weigh, right? And that does not make it true. The declarations that I make should come directly from the word of God, right? Because this is what matters, the word, the word of God, the word of his testimony. So when I go about declaring, absolutely, I need to make declarations, but I need to get it from him because it is his words, right, that matter. There are so many scriptures, too, that you can find that talks about the Lord entering the room and opening the books. There are so many things that you have right to, rightful ownership, rightful authority, that if you just seek it from the righteous judge, he will declare it to you. And then you are to take that out and declare it in your world. The next officer in the court, the judge. The judge is the person in the court who decides how the law should be applied. Judges preside over trials and hearings. They enforce the rules of the court. They hear arguments from attorneys. They receive and review evidence, and they listen to witness testimony. Throughout the trial, judges must make accurate rulings on whether evidence or testimonies are admissible and relevant to the trial. The judge has the right to overrule or sustain to overrule means to object an, an attorney's objection to reject it, to a question of a witness or admission of evidence. By overruling the objection, the judge allows the question or evidence, or he disallows it. 
And then the judge is the one that brings the verdict. The verdict is a decision, a decree, or a judgment. Once the judge receives the verdict, the judge enters judgment on the verdict, and the judgment of the court is the final order in the case. So once he has spoken, it's final, it's done, and it is a verdict. It's a decision. Isaiah 3, 13 through 15 in the message says, God enters the courtroom. He takes his place at the bench to judge his people. God calls for order in the court. Psalm 75, 7, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. Psalm 56, and the heavens declare his righteousness for God himself is judge. The next person that's going to come on the scene in our courtroom is the accuser or the prosecutor. That word means a person who accuses, especially in a court of law, a trial in which the accuser and accused may freely speak. Another word for accuser is prosecutor, adversary, opponent. So that would be the enemy. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Revelation 12.10, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. So day and night, we have the creatures. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We have the elders. Only God is to be praised, presenting their crowns before the throne. And day and night before God, we have an accuser of the brethren making accusations before God, but you also have an intercessor or a defense. To intercede or defend means to intervene on behalf of another. Other words for intercede are intervene, reconcile, to step in, to speak up. Romans 8.34, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Romans 8, 27, no, 26 and 27, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So we have God as our judge and we have Jesus and the Holy Spirit who are interceding for us. We have an enemy who accuses us and we have entered the courtroom. So I'm going to read you now something from Zechariah. I didn't get my Bible to turn there. Zechariah 
I think it left the Bible. Zechariah chapter 3. I want you to listen to this like a story. <clears throat> the last verse of chapter 2, and then this is the first verse of chapter 3, but it starts out by saying, Be silent, all flesh, before the Lord, for he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. Then... He showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord has chosen Jerusalem. Rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove those filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, and they clothed him with garments, and the angel of the Lord was standing by. Anytime that the Bible says the angel of the Lord, that is referring to Jesus. And the angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua, thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are assigned. Behold, I will bring my servants the branch, for behold, on the stone that I have set before Joshua, on a single stone, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. So I want you to imagine that this is a courtroom with an accuser and a defender. And here stands Joshua. And immediately as the court begins, first the word says, be silent because you have roused the Lord from his dwelling place. And so the judge has entered the courtroom and here stands Joshua in filthy garments, which any of us in our own right standing before God would be in filthy garments. And in comes the judge, and the accuser begins to say, who is this guy? Do you have any idea what he is about and what he's been doing and how bad he feels? And the Lord says, I rebuke you. Overruled. Be quiet. Jesus, who is the defender, doesn't even say a word to the accuser, but he goes up to Joshua and he says, what are these dirty clothes about? because I already bought a robe of righteousness. Now get him out of these clothes. And he clothes him in the righteousness of Jesus. And every time the judge looks at you, it is irregardless of what the enemy is accusing you of or the words that he's speaking or the slander that he raises, overruled, 
because Jesus has spoken another word. And you have a robe of righteousness. You have a ring that signifies that you are a child of God. You are completely righteous, forgiven, and holy. And when God the judge looks at you, he sees the price that his son paid and purchased on your behalf. Jesus says there is no double jeopardy either. You can't be tried for the same thing twice. And we already learned last night when he died, he bought our griefs, our sorrows, our broken rules, our gross immorality, and our health. He paid for all of that. He also bought my righteousness with his blood, my purity, my forgiveness, and my right to be called the bride of Christ. Already been tried, already been sentenced, already been paid for, no double jeopardy. So if I am a believer, that is done and finished. And when the Lord, see, you've heard when God says, I separate your sins as far as the east is from the west, because the trial already happened. The verdict has already been handed down. You can never be tried for the same thing again. Jesus died once and for all. So now it isn't about whether we're guilty or innocent. We are declared innocent and forgiven. The question is, are we going to walk in that? Are we going to take our place as an officer of his court? Are we going to start to seek justice and verdicts from God and then see those things carried out in our life? Then Jesus says, if you will walk in my ways, you will rule in my house and charge my courts. I will give you the right of access. What that means is that the scepter is always extended to you. You know the story of Esther, whenever um, she had to go before the king and he didn't know she was a Jew, and they were killing, they were about to kill the Jews. And her uncle Mordecai says, Hey, you're our only hope. You got to go in there and you got to talk to the king. And you need to save us. And maybe for such a time as this, you have been born, right? And Esther says, Okay, go get everybody to pray. I'm going to do it, right? And she walks in to where that king is. And if he had not, extended his scepter to her, she would have been killed because you cannot just walk into the presence of the king, right? However, the scripture tells you, come boldly before the throne of grace that you may receive mercy in your time of need. And need. Again, God is saying to you, I don't want anything from you. You need me. I do not need you. Come to me because the scepter is extended to you. You are an officer of the court, and I am the judge. I'm calling the shots. The enemy is overruled. You have a defender in my son. You have a defender and an intercessor in the Holy Spirit. You have everything that you need. You have a robe of righteousness. You have a ring that says you belong to me. I am completely available to you, and I have given you power in the Holy Spirit. So now... 
what are we going to do with that? Because that does not sound like an afraid, defeated person to me. But how many of us are living afraid or silent lives? With all of this available to us to carry out verdicts and decrees on behalf of the king and the judge. So that's what we're going to do now as we go into this prayer labyrinth. You're going to go into the court and you're going to get a verdict. And I want it to be something specific. I believe that the Lord has something specific for each one of you in your life. So whatever it is that the Lord's been saying to you, for you it's this, it's this family situation. It's this thing that's happening at school. It's this attack that you believe that's coming against you. There is something that you need to go in, you need to hear the verdict from the judge, and then we're going to talk about how you carry that out. So I want you to just take a second to close your eyes and let me say a prayer over you. So the question would be, where is the enemy attacking you or accusing you? What situation in your life seems to be unjust or unanswered? If you are robed in his righteousness, if you know Jesus as Savior, then you have been granted free access. We have entered with thanksgiving and praise. We've reminded ourselves of who he is that sits in judgment over these matters, and he can be trusted. He purchased your freedom from simple rule-breaking, from gross immorality. He purchased your health, mind, body, soul, and spirit, and you are free and the scepter is extended to you. So today we're going to go get a verdict. His decision, his decree. And as it says in Job 22, you will decide on a matter and it will be established. And light will shine on your ways. So Lord, we just thank you that you have made every provision for us. We can do nothing apart from you, Lord. We thank you, God, that it is truly all by your grace and the word of our testimony that we overcome the enemy in our life. And God, we do count it all joy, all of the trials that we face, God. Help us not to ever take that lightly. Lord, I ask that you would continue and, re and remind us who we are, who you say we are, who you see us to be. Remind us who you are, God. Help us to see you clearly. Help us to boldly approach your throne. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the price that you paid for us. And we thank you that you continue to stand in our defense. Help us, God, never to pick back up the filthy rags, but to wear our righteousness proudly, God, because of the price that you paid to win it for us. Lord, we enter into your courts today. We give you thanks and praise, God. And we ask that you would hand down verdicts 
and that you would give us the wisdom and the strength to carry out those decisions and those decrees because you are good, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Candy Gibbs Podcast. For more information and other resources, visit candygibbs.com.